Hi, all my favorite people. How are we? How are we feeling this week? I am exhausted. My brother's wedding was this past weekend and it was so hot, but so fun. I've never had a sibling get married and it's so emotional and I don't know, I was way more emotional than I anticipated, but it was beautiful. I'm so happy we have a new sister and my brother's fucking married. It's really actually pretty crazy. So I thought in keeping with that wedding theme, we would air one of my all-time favorite episodes with Gwen Stefani, which we recorded weirdly a year ago already. It feels like it was like just yesterday, but it was the first interview she did after her wedding to Blake Shelton, which honestly, full transparency, I had no idea that it would be her first interview or the first time anyone heard from her after her wedding. But it was, and I'm forever grateful because this episode really put Tell Me About It on the map. And it was just so cool to interview someone that I've known for my entire life. But I talked to her in a way that I hadn't before. I learned things about her I never, ever knew. And she's just such a special person. And also, just a side note, listening back to this episode, I sound like an absolute fetus. Like, the show has just evolved and come so far since then that I almost don't recognize it. But I just wanted to keep that old intro in here just so you guys could hear and so we could have a little timestamp of where we were this time last year. So if you've been listening since then, I just fucking adore you. And thank you so much because... We've come a long way since then. So here we go. Here is last year's episode with Gwen Stefani. Okay, okay. Back to why you're here. Today, we have Gwen Stefani on the show. Unless you live under a rock, you probably know who Gwen is. She's been an icon for nearly 30 years and is just the coolest, most authentic person who's managed to stay so true to every aspect of herself for her entire very prolific career. Gwen's been a big part of my life since I was born. For a little backstory, my dad started a music label called Interscope Records and signed Gwen and No Doubt in 1991. I was born in 93 And my childhood was just colored by memories of her career. And she's always been like a part of the family. For example, Gwen's first wedding was at our house. And it's funny because I have very few memories of the actual wedding because me and my siblings left in the middle because our dog decided to give birth that night. So we thought that was much more important to witness than the wedding itself. I always gravitated towards Gwen. I was obsessed with her and still am. Even though I've known her my entire life, it was a whole different beast to get to interview her. I swear, I like blacked out from start to finish. It was so surreal. We sat down a week ago, right after her wedding, and seeing her beaming with happiness was so sweet. But of course, I had to take her back to before she found her happy ending. She opened up to me about body image, heartbreak, finding her voice, how her learning disabilities and other life experiences affected her confidence, being hard on herself, feeling lost, and so, so, so much more that I'm so excited for you to hear. I learned things about Gwen that I definitely didn't know before, and I'm beyond grateful she came on the show and was so open about the things that make her, this superhuman, human. I feel like Gwen needs very little introduction, so let's just get right to it. Here is Gwen Stefani. Hi, Gwen. How are you? This is crazy. I'm like, wait, you grew up. (laughs) (laughs) Well, congratulations to start. I know. Total honeymoon vibes right now. Oh my God. Are you blissed out? Are you so happy? It was, it was literally 
the greatest like moment of um, one of my, the greatest moments of my life, obviously. But I mean, it was beyond what I thought it was going to be. But it yep, looked like heaven. It looked like heaven. <laughs> like I'll let you reveal all of the details, obviously, on your own time. But got those boots. Can we just talk about the boots, the cowboy boots? Well, I mean, honestly, you know what was fun about besides all of it? Um, <laughs> it was beyond like beyond dreamy. But I think the crazy part was just. It was just so unexpected in my life. Yes. So to try to choose like an outfit, like right. a, a wedding gown and all that, it was like, I had no idea what it was going to be. But honestly, I tried on one dress mm-hmm. and then I was like, I don't know, that didn't feel right. And then I tried another one on. I was like, oh, that's the one. And it, it was, was like, perfect. say yes to the dress. And then I just went with it. And um, did you know you wanted it short? I didn't know anything. I I feel like when you're me and you're like lucky and blessed as I've been to wear some outstanding dresses, you just, you don't know, like you can't, when you, I don't know, it's really hard to like, and it's such a big deal for me. Like I care about that stuff. Yes. (laughs) So no, I was, I had so much fun and picking it and working with Vera and Rob and Marielle helped me a lot. So it was just a really amazing thing. I swear you're the first person I'm talking to since. Oh, Jesus. Okay, great. No pressure or anything. But I just wanted to say congratulations first because I'm so excited for you. Like I was listening to like your essentials playlist the other day on Shuffle and Don't Speak came on first and then right after Anywhere But You that you sang with Blake came on. And it was just this crazy surreal moment where I was like, it's the same girl singing, but just like, I feel like you're home now. That's a really good way to put you know? it. I actually feel that way. It, it feels like that and it feels awesome. So I just feel so lucky. And I don't know. I think one of those things that you think about a lot in your life is um, you just you don't know the future and you don't know what's going to happen. But I feel like my spiritual journey has really guided me towards this place yes. and this place of peace and just sort of um, now I just need to figure out how to uh do the rest of my life. <laughs> I think so. it will all be smooth sailing from here, aside from the three boys and the craziness that comes with that. So you and I have known each other. Let's just go back a little bit. For 27 years, I'm 27 years old. Wow. You have been in my life from the second that I was born. Isn't that weird? That's so weird. I was trying to tell Blake, I was like, I think I knew her since she was like two or I just remember the first time going to your house in Malibu is when you had the Malibu house. And that was before I knew like that even Malibu people existed and that (laughs) there was rich people in the world. And I was like, what? Like driving down PCH trying to not miss like the entrance to this gigantic gate (laughs) and this like football field of grass. And I remember getting out of the car and like, walking in and your mom being stunningly gorgeous and and Jimmy just being terrified of Jimmy and like (laughs) and we walked upstairs and your mom had this incredible like playroom that looked literally like a preschool um, in your house and I was like wow this is how people roll like this is so cool but yeah there was so many of you that I didn't know if you were born yet but you were the you were the baby I was the baby I am the baby but you because I think you signed to Interscope 1991 right that sounds kind of right I don't I was born in 93 so okay so I was like I'm really bad at dates but I know I was like young and I didn't know who your dad was. I didn't know who Jimmy Iving was. I just was so naive about 
even what getting signed meant. Like, right. I just did what everybody told me to do. I was just kind of like, yay, I'm going to sing. I, I didn't even know I was going to be a singer. I was like, what do I do? Tell me what to do. I'll you do were it. just in it for the long haul, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I wasn't. I was just, I don't even know what <laughs> I was just doing. just wound up there somehow. I was just, I have, exactly. And now, now I feel like I know what I'm doing a little bit, but <laughs> I did not know then. <laughs> so let's start there. Cause like on this podcast, we like to talk about our twenties cause it's just a hellish time in your life that can be really beautiful, but also extremely painful because you just don't know what you're doing. You know, like a lot of people <laughs> yeah. feel that way. So when were you, when did Tragic Kingdom come out? Like how old were you? Um, when Just a Girl was, was on the radio, I believe I was 26. 26, so okay. I, yeah, like basically I started in No Doubt when I was 17 and I was just in my senior year because I graduated when I was 17. So I was a little bit oh. young. Yeah. And so my older brother was the one that kind of started the band with this guy, John Spence. And then basically we were just for nine years, just doing the band. Like, I mean, I was going to college forever. I was trying to figure out what I was going to be. I had definitely had like not struggled a lot in school. Like mm -hmm. just, I didn't know that I had like dyslexia and and ADHD and all these things that, right, now, that now I know because I have kids. So I know what that is, but yes. I, yeah. So the band for me was like just the fun procrastination from school. And that's so crazy. Yeah. Where were you in college? I didn't even know you were in college. I'm super smart. I was in I know college you're for super a long smart. time. I know you're super <laughs> smart, but I didn't know I you didn't, went to college. I didn't double time of college. No, I went first. I went to Cypress College, which is in Cypress, okay. uh, California. And that's like a community college. And basically I had to start from the start like, way over. Like I had beginning math, beginning everything. Yeah. And then I went to Fullerton. I transferred to Fullerton Junior College. And I finally got enough credits to go to Cal State Fullerton. And I feel like I was there for a couple years. And I was like, okay, finally, I'm figuring this out. I'm going to be, because you're talking about the 20s. And by this point, I was yes. like in my mid-20s. That's how long I was in college. <laughs> and I was, I still lived at my parents' house because wow. we just all liked each other. And what was I going to do? Like, I was super, very, like, young for my age and very yeah. naive. And my family was quite sheltering. So I just finally was like, I'm going to do art. Like, I know that I'm good at art. I'm not as good as my brother, but I, I'll find something. Mm -hmm. And I remember I was taking a painting class and I was like, I'm going to paint me in like, like Orange County, Orange Crate art. And I'm going to be like holding orange and I'm going to, so it's basically the cover of the Tragic Kingdom, but I was going to paint it. Like that was oh, my okay. idea. Yes. But then I feel like then just a girl came out. It was just like everything was a whirlwind after that. It just happened so fast. God. So that's so when you first came to the Malibu house until Tragic Kingdom opened, was that like a long period of time? Or Your dad tortured us for a long period of time. Oh, yes. yes. That sounds about right. Yes. <laughs> no, we basically, I think when we got signed, we were like the second band signed to Interscope. I feel like. And it was like, at the time, it was kind of like Marky Mark, like Rodrigo. Primus. Yeah. I think Four Non Blondes was way after that. But yeah. then, I mean, I'm just trying to think of people that were there at the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then basically, I think Jimmy just, uh, Jimmy, you know the story that Woody said to me, right? Like, no. we did like, we did a showcase. So I didn't even know what all these things were, but we, the band was always like, okay, if we get signed, then we could put actually music out. Yeah. And, at that point, we were a live band and we were doing really well. Like we were like a 
big fish in a small pond. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I feel like we wanted to put music out on a record. Like that was what we couldn't afford to do it unless right. we had a label do it. So we got signed and this guy, to- Tony Ferguson, who's from England, who worked at this record company called Stiff Records, which was all like the ska bands that I loved growing up. Yeah. He was the one that said, you got to come down to see this band. He was working, I guess, for Jimmy at some oh, point. Okay. And, and so then Jimmy came down, we did a showcase and he pulled me aside and he goes, you're going to be a star in six years, in six years, like this weird random number. And I I was like, who is this guy? And (laughs) he goes, yeah, he just said that. And then in six years on the dot, don't speak was number one around the world. So he was right. Yeah. That's so wild. Okay. I don't want to take a break, but we have to, we'll be right back. It's so crazy. I feel like so much of my childhood was colored by your career. Just so many of my memories surround that. And you were always just this fundamental part of our family, it felt like, from the day I was born. You guys always make me feel like your family for me was always like so idealistic, you know what I'm mm. saying? Because your mom being so stunningly beautiful, but also a mother, mm-hmm. plus having Jimmy, like taking care of Jimmy, <laughs> yeah. you know what I'm saying? Who we all yes. knew was just like super extent, like eccentric Maniac. and Yes. you know, maniac and then had it all under control with like having like her books and all her creative stuff. So I just, I looked up to your family like, wow. Cause you know, I come from like a family of four kids as well. Yes. Yes. So it's very similar to boys, two girls. Totally. And you have the Italian Irish thing. Yes, also. exactly. Yes. And I, just, I always remember Jimmy saying about you that you were extraordinarily independent and very clear on who you were from a really young age. Yeah. And so I just remember <laughs> just learning so much about how individual each one of you 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 kids were coming from these two really smart eccentric parents you know and you are a very privileged family like I've never seen something like that before even though I know that I was privileged as well in the sense that like I had two loving parents that you know that loved us and we were very taken care of in that way but because you were talking about the 20s and you're 27 and for me 29 was when I wrote Return to Saturn which was all about the like changing in life and how how hard it is and how yes. like you really question who you are and what you're doing and yes. what what does this all mean and so yes. I feel like you're about ready to get into that which is oh you're telling me yeah I'm like it feels like crazy like oh but Gwen this is yeah. so crazy I did not realize that the return of Saturn is like your Saturn return. Yeah. Oh my God. I feel like the most, the dumbest person on the planet. I literally just realized that. Well, I don't even know, like somebody had told me about that and it was very fascinating to me because I think that you're in your twenties, you're really trying to find the meaning of life and who you are and your purpose. And I mean, I mean, truly for me, if I could go back to that girl, I would just go, well, you had that already with your faith. You know, you you, it was in you since you were a little girl, kind of, that's why I was so always fascinated with you because (laughs) you had that in your heart and that's kind of how I was. And, but you get lost along the way, you know, and you start to question it and you start to think, you know, better. And you start, do you think you have some kind of control over something and you don't? Yes. It's so (laughs) true. Yeah. What do you remember being insecure about when you were like 27, 28? I think for me at that time, I had had two pretty bad relationships. And so 
there was like a lot of insecurities, but not about me, not necessarily about like, I was such a passive kind of personality back then. Um, But at the same time, I had like this creative, like visions all the time about like taking whatever pain I had and trying to share it in some way through music. And so that was just always what I did with whatever was going on. But I think the biggest insecurity was that the first relationship was, it was, you know, really one-sided and I was very mm-hmm. obsessive about the relationship. As we all get, yes. Yeah. And and during that time in my life, I was just, it was just, I was so overwhelmed by thinking I was in love and what that meant that I just, I was obsessed about it. And then when I got in my second relationship, it was so many insecurities with so much um, cheating and like, you know, it was, that wasn't my fault that somebody else made me feel insecure. Right. So I think those, that made me super insecure just about myself. Like yeah. why? Because when someone does that, you question who you are, you know what totally. I'm saying? Totally. But I think, I don't know. I think I also was, had all the normal insecurities that you would have as a, a girl. I never really felt like one of those those girls, you know what I'm saying? I was yes. just, I don't know who I was. I was very, I look back now and I go, I was just, I was just like everybody else, but at the same time, I didn't feel like everybody else. Like I yeah. never had, I felt like I was just sort of like in this band with all these guys, just obsessed with this. I, it was just a very hard time, really yeah. confusing time. It is such a hard time. And you were this superstar, you know, like, did that feel like it happened kind of overnight or did it feel gradual to you? It was, it was incredible. I think the incredible part of the journey, there was like two parts to it. It was like discovering after like not being good at school, Mm -hmm. not knowing what I was going to be when I grew up, like not feeling like I fit in, which I mean, most people say this, you know, Yeah. I just suddenly found this gift that God had given me to be able to write these songs. I mean, honestly, no one taught me like it just all of a sudden I wrote one and I was like, Oh my God, that feels so right. Like, and then I just kept doing it and I, and, and the pain that I was going through the rejection, all of the stuff that happened was feeding this like newfound, like gift. And I was like, so it was very strange, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then by the time we had all these songs and this whole story of my pain, which was the tragic kingdom comes out but i'm still in the band with the guy that i'm obsessed with exactly and then and then the band is sort of like super confused about like well why are they paying more attention to the lead singer we're a band we've been doing this for nine years and then there was the guilt that i had for that which yes but then it was my story to tell so it was like of course people are going to pay more attention to the person it was my story that people were connecting to yes you know i think it was really confusing for all of us at the time to like understand um that attention yeah but for me for whatever reason it never really it didn't really affect me that much i think i felt like i always was protected from the fame i don't know why it just never really interesting it it was more it was more the relationship with the band that was like really like affected me yeah which i guess comes along with the fame in a way so when you first started writing songs were you like i can't release these like these are way too personal this is like my diary and then i'm gonna sing it to the guy that i'm writing about like was that ever a question or were you just like screw it i'm putting these out it was never a question i just was so happy to have something that i was good at (laughs) like finally (laughs) no i Um, (laughs) totally understand that feeling (laughs) and i just was sort of like i was very rebellious at that time so when i turned 
So when I turned 25, you could imagine, like I had already written Don't Speak like a year or more and Just a Girl, all those songs I'd written like a year or so before they even came out. So they were old, like by the time they came out. And, you know, I think that was like, it just felt really good to be like, yeah, see, Mm -hmm. I'm good. I wasn't over it, but I was like, you don't want me, but everybody else suddenly thinks I'm good and see what you're missing out. Like, that's when I went, I went and I like dyed my hair blonde. Like I really grew a lot during that year after the breakup. And I wrote all that music It all, that all happened really fast. You know what I'm saying? And I was very empowered because of that. I think like in myself, because I felt like, screw it. Like I'm going to go do this then if you don't want me kind of thing. So there was like that going on, but at the same time, we're talking about Tony, which everybody yes. knows that. Hi, Tony. Yeah. <laughs> we were best friends, you know, and we yeah. had a lot of, we still had a lot of fun together and we were very passionate about the band, about the music. It was very strange. I, now I think it was, it's very strange. At the time, I didn't realize it. I don't think. Yeah. Like it's hard to imagine being in that situation, but probably when it's happening, the world is moving so fast. You can't even focus on really what's happening, you know, but looking back, it's probably crazy that you're like doing this all with your ex-boyfriend. Is songwriting, how has it changed throughout your life? Like, what was it like when you were in your 20s versus now? It's changed a lot. I think that you'll never be as naive as you are when you're you're new and naive. And (laughs) you're only new when you're new, you know? And so you have to really, like, enjoy those moments um, because they pass. And I think that the talk about insecurity, I think as a songwriter, because it's such a gift that's given to you and it's not something you have a lot of, I don't believe, have a lot of control of. And if you probably, the more you talk to writers, like even like your mom or anybody that is a creative person, like, it's not like you, it's almost like you have to kind of open yourself up and if it's meant to be if, if god says that's what's good then you'll get the song you know what yeah. i'm saying that's how i always saw it that way because it's such a miracle even when you're in the middle of it totally what a miracle it is when it, you receive the song so i think over the years i've written a lot about or talked a lot about how insecure i am about songwriting because it's just such a bizarre thing you know yeah. it's hard to it's i i don't technically know music i just right channel channel this thing that happened so i had a lot of fun writing this year i actually um didn't expect to write at all and i ended up through like quarantine um going in and doing these zoom sessions with mm-hmm. people and it was really fun like i had i wrote i think i wrote like 20 songs in like eight weeks like it was this really quick like i mean with a lot of help i mean these people right. i'm working with are so talented but right then it sort of like went through a phase where I'm like, uh, like I kind of put a couple songs out and it was like, and then I was like, well, I'm going to get married. So I'm just yes. gonna, <laughs> I think I'm just going to like take a pause. Like no one's really like, who cares? Like I'm just going to wait. We're all focused on the wedding anyway. <laughs> I know. Like I just want to enjoy the moment because you learn yeah. the older you get that these moments are just, they're passing by so fast and you just want to sometimes take a pause and go, okay. It's going to absorb this for a minute. No, I think I... that's like the benefit of finding this insanely amazing love later in life is that you can actually savor the moments and, and be in it. Yeah. And be present. So is it easier for you to write songs when you're happy or when you're sad? I don't know. I mean, this album that I just worked on feels like a really, I wanted it to be 
a happy album. I think yeah. every album had an intention. Like, even if I didn't like know, cause you know, tragic kingdom was just, it was like the Lord going, <laughs> this is what you're going to do. <laughs> and me just going, yes. Oh, but it hurts. I'm hurting. I'm hurting. I'm yes. hurting. And then I just made this whole record and yeah. I don't even know how I did it. It is a true miracle. I literally had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> It is a miracle. <laughs> and then when I did came back after a world tour and, you know, having like we were gone two and a half years or something, we came back and that was a really like that was a really hard time. That was like right when we did Return of Saturn. And we I felt like I really put a lot of pressure on myself to want to like be a good writer and like do it myself and all these things. And I think there's a lot of great writing on the album. And some people say to me that that's their like favorite life saving. Yeah. It, it's, it's weird. Like, but for me, like, I wish I could have edited myself more or had more help, you know what I mean? Like to organize it. But are there yeah, songs there's... you would have left off or something or? I think that there's just things about it that I just know I could have, it's like, I could have done better on that record mm, for me, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. and I, I don't listen to it. It's way too painful for me. Like <laughs> that record has so much, so much stuff in it that yeah. nobody would know what it is, but I know what it is. And so I just try to avoid listening to that one. I don't listen to any of them, but <laughs> <laughs> I listen to all of them. It's fine. <laughs> oh, I love it. It makes me so happy. Other people listen to them, but what with rock steady, that was like the intention was joy, you know, mm -hmm. like let's, let's just be free and let's just mm -hmm. have fun and let's just make something fun. And it was a really fun record. Like we were, the band was finally open for the first time to working with other people. And for me, my favorite stuff I've ever done ever in my life, whether it's designing, whatever it is, music yeah, is collaborations, you know, that's where right. I'm, I think I shine, you know, to 100%. inspire other people, you know, so that's, so that record was like full of so much talent and, we were able to sort of like grow as writers, you know, Definitely. and then, yeah. So each one is just has a different, and this one was all about like, just trying to, again, make something that's fun. Like go back to my roots. Like remember yes. when I was in eighth grade and I discovered ska music and yes. reggae. And, yeah. Yes. So. so what's the hardest song? What was the hardest song for you to release and like maybe that is the same song that's the hardest to perform like is it something from return of saturn that's like really vulnerable or like honestly like once the once they're captured and i the songs feel like these little like i don't know they capture that time like that period it, and it feels like it's like you healed yeah. after you have it and so you you don't really it's not like it's it's not like you don't go back every time when you're singing the song and remember what it was about but it doesn't have the same, I don't know how to describe it. Like, I know what you mean. It doesn't like ha have the same hold on you. A lot of the songs that are the really, like really crazy ones for me weren't the singles anyway. So the songs right. probably a lot of people didn't hear. The deep like, cuts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so when do you feel like you first found your voice? Because to everyone else with your pink hair and bindies and bracelets, like you were just larger than life and always have been with red lips and like just the North Star of feminism and cool and everything. You know, I have a feeling that it didn't always feel that way to you. Do you, do you remember when you found your voice? Well, I have always been very like lucky to have a vote mm -hmm. and like to like people to like as far as my small circle you know, my opinion was always respected. And so like, I want to talk about like 
my small circle. I'm just like my band. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like we all, yeah. we all had our roles that we played and that we were good at. And, um, I think we all kind of stayed out of each other's way and that, and, and leaned on each other. And yeah. that's why I think we were a band for so many years and mm-hmm. we were friends, you know? And so, yeah, like, even though like we talked about, there was things that were hard for us at the same time, we all like, we all took it so seriously in the sense that we loved it so much and we were so passionate about what we did. So I, I think that like, it was just, once I could write a song, that's when I feel like I found my voice. Like the first song I ever wrote was a song called different people, which I always loved bragging. Like I bet I actually ended up that song on Obama's playlist. Cause it's no like, this, it was such an innocent, like, even when I listen to it, I'm like, you know, you'd be embarrassed. Yes, like yes. you're like, Ooh, that's yes. my first song. I, I feel like, uh, once I learned that what writing a song is like, what it could feel like, it's so addictive. Like yeah. once you write the song, you just want to like watch it and hear it over and over and over again. Yes. And then once it kind of comes out, then you just never listen to it again. But it's, it's almost like the dream of what it is. I don't know how mm-hmm. to describe it. It's like, uh, the process of being creative is what I love more than mm-hmm. even like, eating the cookie at the end like it's yes. more about the dream or like what it could be or what people might think and like it's it that's the part i'm addicted to yeah um so that's why i think i got to a point where even right now at this time in my life writing this record writing it was, was so amazing like the dream of it yeah that's what you'll remember it, you know yeah. yeah i love that god i just love seeing you like so happy But of course, I have to take you back. So let's go back to when you, regarding finding your voice, take me through the process of when you decided to start your solo career. Because I know that must have been really hard with the band. And, you know, did that take a whole new level of finding your voice to do that? I think so. I think a lot of the stuff, I think because the way I believe is that there's a plan, a Mm -hmm. bigger plan. It's all out of your control. And so I think that when I we had done the Rocksteady album. There was such a feeling of um, satisfaction in that album. And I could tell, like, even like just the way people saw our band, it was different. Like Mm -hmm. it just felt like we were in like a really, that we got our Grammy. Like Mm -hmm. we, it just felt like a really cool part, like part of our career, that whole album. Yep. And Adrian at the time had gotten married he was the first one of us to get married. And because we were so serious about the band and our relationship yeah. to each other and dedicated to each other. So getting married is like, that's a huge change, totally. you know, and they wanted to have a baby and it was time for us to take our first break that we ever, we were ever going to take. And you could tell that Adrian was getting burnout. And now like at the time I, I was a little bit like, wow, he doesn't care as much about the band, you know, but now that, once I got married and right. had kids, then yeah. I could see what happens, it changes, yeah. you know? And um, so we decided we were going to have a hiatus, like have a break. And yeah. it was, I don't, I don't remember going, oh, I want to do this now. It was literally an automatic thing there. I was like, I want to do a dance record. I yes. was like, yes, I'm going to do this. It wasn't anything to like break away from the band. It wasn't yeah. anything to try to like, have this huge solo career. It was just like, I did that kind of music, but there's this other kind of music that was the backdrop to my life in high school growing up that I wanted to like almost, um, it was almost like a guilty pleasures type album. Like 
you know, the, this other kind of music that I loved as well. So, right. you know, me and Tony, like we talked about it. I was like, it's the kind of music that me and Tony liked yeah. too. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, Tony yeah. actually turned me on to a lot of that music. So I was like, you can help me do it. And it was just sort of like, it was going to be this kind of artistic project that there was no rules. Mm -hmm. And um, that's kind of how that started. But what it was very like a snowball effect because I was so in such a creative, like inspired place in my life. I hadn't, I wasn't married yet. Mm -hmm. I didn't have children. I was like, I feel like I might've just gotten married during that time period. I can't remember. Too yeah. I don't know the dates, but we should, I'm like, I should know. I feel like I was there for that wedding. Yes. <laughs> you were there for the wedding. Yes. I, I feel like I just was in a really creative place and I didn't want to just do, I was like, oh my gosh, I have this huge opportunity. And your dad actually, he just seemed so in, like so supportive of everything I was doing at that moment that I felt like, you know, he was, I guess, A&Ring the project. Mm -hmm. So I just felt quite like, I don't know how to describe it. I just felt like I had, the world was my oyster. Like I could do, I could do anything. Yeah. And I, at the same time, I was, you know, scared mm -hmm. and I did, ha I was like worried about, like, I didn't plan on touring. I was just going to do this creative album and yeah. it was going to be over. But once I put the record out and like every song that was written, it just more ideas would come. And I, the idea of finally having this imaginary girl posse yes, you know what i mean yes. like that would take me back to japan which was like you know my fantasy because basically my obsession with japan was that my dad mm -hmm. worked for yamaha motorcycles right, my right. entire life so japanese company so he would travel there and you have to think like back in those days mm -hmm. we didn't have the internet right. or cell phones <laughs> or anything so you didn't we weren't connected in that same way so he would come home and I'm like five and he would bring me a kimono or mm. he would bring me like Japanese candy or like things that would be these huge treasures. And he'd been gone for like three weeks. Like yeah. it was a big, it was different back then. Totally. So I was always obsessed with wanting to go to Japan. Like, and then when I finally got to go in the nineties with no doubt, I found, I fell in love with this Harajuku, which my dad had told me about this area, Harajuku. So like when I went there the first time, I was like, okay. And I like related so much to the, I was such a fan of the culture being yeah. so traditional yet. So like futuristic and modern at the same time. And so then that was just a huge inspiration for me to want to have these, like, I've never had dancers. I never mm. got to do costume changes. I never got to do all that girly stuff yeah. that I loved, you know, yes. and be theatrical and, and be dramatic and all the stuff that those records ended up being. And so once I made them, it was like, okay. I gotta go. I gotta do it live. Like I yes, have to do it live. Of course. And then, of course, when I did that first tour during the rehearsals, I not only twisted my ankle like oh, really shit. badly. I got pregnant. <laughs> so, oh my god! I was like, okay, I'm pregnant now on this <laughs> tour, like, okay. and I'm gonna. <laughs> I was throwing up like every like I was. I literally got nauseous during certain songs because god. like I got nauseous during this song called "Serious" because I used to spell I love that song. S-E-R-I-O-U-S. I'd be like so worried I was going to spell it wrong. <laughs> I would get sick. Was that, was that the only time in your life you retired the crop top when you were pregnant? I feel like I didn't until like I was four and a half months pregnant when I stopped touring oh on that. God. I know. Like, so I, I just remember being miserable, like feeling yeah. fat, like yeah. everything. They would have to come out and like, 
release my clothes. Like you could see the different, how the costume was like changed. And it was for some reason trying to keep it quiet. And I guess because, you know, anything could happen. So you're not supposed to say anything. So, and I guess I just wanted that to be my tour. I didn't want people to be focusing on that. I was pregnant, you know what I'm saying? And it was like a really weird time. God, I didn't realize that. That's so crazy. It's the first time I ever did like costume changes or anything or, and I was playing with a whole new band and dancers and it was like a whole new thing. So that, but the tour was really short. It wasn't that long. Then I came back and went from that and had the baby. And that's when Jimmy was like, you got to go in and work with Akon. And I was like, I will never forget for the rest (laughs) of my life. I was sitting in like, I don't know why we called it the bird room. There was a bird room in our house, which is so weird. But I was sitting in there and my mom came out and said to my dad and said, oh, Gwen had her baby. And my mom is like, my mom writes pregnancy books. So my mom is like beaming. And my dad runs, like doesn't even celebrate for two seconds, runs to the phone and calls you and says, you got to get it like in the hospital, I assume. <laughs> I I'm like, I can't, I'll never forget that. I was like, yeah, I was like, okay, I'm raised by an animal. This is insane. <laughs> like, this is just like ridiculous that you're calling her right when she had a baby about this new record that you want. It's so crazy. It was crazy. And I, I, I think that because we all knew we were on borrowed time and yeah. it was just going to be, you know what I mean? And the fact that I had written so many songs for the record, the original the Love Angel Music Baby record, that yeah. like I kind of could have put another record out and there totally. was a lot of good songs. I just needed to kind of fill in the gaps. And so he didn't, I think he just didn't want to lose momentum. And remember, like at that time, things were changing so much in music. Like yeah. we were from my first solo dance record to the second one, like it was a different format of music. You know what I mean? And so I think he was just like racing to try to like, from his angle, like whatever he had to do. God bless you for being understanding. (laughs) (laughs) I love him. I do. I would, I would not be here if it wasn't for him, but I just, (laughs) I know, but I, 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 I love him. And so I basically was like, I'm not doing it. I'm not going in the studio. I, my baby is nine. It was, I think nine weeks at that time. So, you know, like they're just starting to smile. Like I was, I was, I never had a baby before. Like this is my first time. And he's like, come on, you got it. He goes, if there's anything you do in your life, Gwen, anything in your life, you got to go to the session. And I was like, wow. So I packed up my baby and my my boobs (laughs) because I'm nursing the baby (laughs) and my baby nurse. And I went to the session and walk, I walk in, I'm like, okay, now I'm going to be working with a rapper. This makes no sense at all. What am I doing? I hate you, Jimmy. I mean, and then like when I walked in the moment I walked in, he was like my homie. Like it was like, we had known each other already. It was very strange, very, very strange. And we wrote Sweet Escape, which was oh one of my God. biggest hits. Thank God that so. worked out. Jesus, yeah. that's amazing. So you, I feel like, are the epitome of confidence and just like what it looks like. And has it ever? No, I know that might sound weird to you, but like that's how you are to other people. Like you just are this light. And but I wonder, like, do you remember specific times in your career where your confidence really wavered? Of course. I mean, it always does. I mean. I think that the one place where I remember, like you asked me before, like, when did I get that? I guess you said power or Mm -hmm. like, whatever it is. I also have a very strong memory of, because there's two things. It's a songwriter, but then there's like the performer part, which is they're they're one and the same, but they're not. Yeah, that's interesting. When you're not a performer, you think of them as the same thing. 
Yeah, like yeah. I think that like the songwriter part is really real. Like it's very you, you know, and it's like you're literally taking people into your heart. Yeah. And um, and then as a perform as the performer part, it's almost like the you you want to be. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or that is you, but yes. it's. I, you know, you learn how to like, sort of like manipulate the the, yeah. the people that believe you're something yeah. more than you could possibly be. Even yourself, like you're yes. like, I am a superhero version of me. That's just, and I can remember the first time that I was, that happened. And I, we had gone like, I don't know, people don't know the whole backstory, but there was another singer called John Spence, who was the lead singer. And I was like, we sang together. Well, oh, for he, no doubt. Yeah, with okay. no doubt from the very beginning. And he died like the first year. And so when he died, I was like, well, what, you know, we got to get another singer. And mm-hmm. so the other kid that was in the band, Alan Mead, he played um, trumpet and he was singing. And so he ended up singing with me. And then okay. he got his girlfriend pregnant when he was like 15 or something. So then right. he was out. <laughs> okay. So then it was, then it was just me. And I can remember one of the first shows we ever did. And it was just me. Mm-hmm. I just remember something coming over me on stage and it clicked and it was like this superhero thing that happened. And I can remember walking to the car, like we were playing some tiny club and I was walking to the car in, in, in the parking lot on the way home going, Oh my gosh. Like, that feels so good. Like yeah. that feels so real and right. But even though it was like I was faking in a way, it's hard mm-hmm. to describe it. So it was just like, a again, like this channeling thing that happens. Yeah. So I think being able to like take the songs and I don't know, like share the truth of what happened to me on stage in a theatrical way is just something that um, makes people believe that I have confidence, <laughs> but I'm just hey. a normal person. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, it's the most convincing thing in the world. I think it's like as when you're performing, like you're, it's almost like riding a bike. It's like totally. you don't do it, you don't do it, and then all of a sudden you do it and you do it again. It's like part of who you are. You can, oh, you know, you you are a bike rider, yeah, <laughs> as well as you can walk and you can do all these things. But like for me, um, it's just one part of who I am. Yeah. And I think honestly, the one thing that like I always, I think the one thing that I learned mm-hmm. through life is that. The people we like love the most and admire the most are the people that are the most genuinely themselves. And that's what makes people believe that you're confident because if you are just you, well, how can someone argue with that? You know what it's I mean? So true. It's so maybe so that's, true. I, I just try to be myself as much as possible because if I'm not, then I just know I'm going to be found out. So why would yeah. I, you know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> that sounds, that would be horrifying to be a liar. <laughs> I do not want to be ever a liar. Yeah, right. So as far as confidence, what still, what what gets to you today? What is able to knock your confidence today? I don't really, I feel like the, like the, the one thing that comes with um, growing older mm-hmm. is you sort of, Really like right now, because I'm not really focusing on career as much. Mm -hmm. I feel like I rang that bell a few times and it's like you, once you ring it, it's great. But like I said, it's, you really realize that it's the journey that you're on as opposed to winning. And so um, cause number one feels the same as being in the garage and the Pickett street house. And like, (laughs) you know, it's like, it kind of doesn't really change anything. I mean, having the freedom of like winning financially is wonderful yes. because then you can continue to be creative and 
be indulgent and all those things. Right. Of course, that was like a great thing to happen, which I, I left my parents' house on yeah. tour and I had like a thousand dollars in a, a bag of makeup. And so I was, I didn't even, I hadn't even moved out of my parents' house. So oh my God. I definitely like, I appreciate that. And I was talking to Blake about it this morning, just how hard we have worked, like the kind of work that we didn't even know we could do you could do right. it as far as like the hours and like yes. um the amount of, of hours and 100%. just like sleeplessness and like yes. just physical you know work but all super fun because you're doing the stuff that you love to do so very blessed you know but um I don't know I think right now I'm in a pretty good place where I've just all I want to do is whatever I'm supposed to do and I want to <laughs> yeah. fulfill my I want to fulfill my purpose, you know, as a person on this earth. And right now, the most important role that I'll play is going to be as a mom, you know, Um, everything else I've done that, like I'm doing the mom thing. I always knew that at this point in my life, I was going to have a teenager that I was going to, you know, a teenager. Yeah, he's 15. Oh and my God. So, that's probably yeah. how you feel with me, but that's so nuts. <laughs> Jesus. I know. It's I remember really his weird. baby shower. I know. Like he's, so a, he's, a, he's growing up and it, I just want to be like, I feel like I think it's amazing that I got to be like a singer and a songwriter and performer. And I got to be all the things I am, but being a mom is obviously like super serious oh. and like, I just have to get it right, you know? So yes. I'm just focusing on that. So it's when you're doing that, when you're actually giving and mm-hmm. like being that role, playing that role is there's not a lot of time for being insecure about yourself. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> you just want to like, ah, yes. slap them. Yes. Make sure that they do be good people, you know? Yes. No, totally. So you've been this mega star for so many years. I want to know, like, being a female celebrity in the late 90s, early 2000s, what was it like then versus now? Like, was it harder to be a celebrity then? Like, were people... I was watching some of your old interviews and, like, how people used to talk to you. Just what like were they doing? Well, just like just like commenting on your body or like say like yeah. just like male like talk show hosts, just like how unabashedly like gross they could be <laughs> was insane and just tabloids and everything. But now there's the Internet. And I wonder like what the juxtaposition is there. I definitely think it's harder now. Yeah. I mean, 100 percent. I mean, you can't even barely be yourself without being, you know, you can't get it right ever. So. I think it's really changed like dramatically, like dramatically, dramatically. And I feel like we had a lot of more freedom back then, you know, to be, um, you know, even things that like, I feel like were accepted back then just aren't now. So yeah. it's like, it's just, just a different culture is just changing so quickly, but definitely feel like we had, like, it was just a different time. Like it was really fun to be able to release music um and or to be part of different like cultural things that we all had our eyes on like Mm. you know everybody watched david letterman or everybody watched like everybody listened to this station so we were all united in whatever we were doing and it was like um it was an event like it really Mm. felt big and it really like an award show was really like an award show you Mm -hmm. know and now it just feels different. It feels like um, th- there are a lot more opportunities to to have platforms and to be have a voice. And, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just a completely different world and yeah. hard to describe it. But I was very lucky to have had a little bit of both 
You know yeah. what I'm saying? So like I was telling you, like during my solo period, I feel like that was when things were shifting a lot. Definitely. And I think that it was like this crazy time because I think you don't realize how many people you're still reaching mm-hmm. um, because it's just you can't count it the same way. I don't totally. know. Totally. It's different. I think for me, like none of it's real, obviously. Yeah. None of it's none of it's my life it, until like you're face to face with it. Like yes. you're I'm face to face with you in a Zoom and you're <laughs> telling me stuff. And I'm like, wow, that's crazy. That, that's yes. how you see it. Okay. But like it's not real until it's real. Like until I do a show and I see actually the people that know the songs or know the lyrics yes. or someone tells me like this happened to me, then you're like, okay. I had an impact on someone. That's kind of um, something I never thought I would do in my lifetime. It's kind of great. Oh my, and you have, I mean, to say the fucking least, like you are just crazy. You're an icon. Like I'm literally sweating through this interview. I'm like nervous. (laughs) I'm like, yes, I'm nervous. I'm like, cause I just look up to you so much and I think you're just amazing. And I love you. Okay. We got to take a quick break and we'll be right back. So I think a lot of people have a misconception that because of who you are, you are somehow exempt from feelings of comparison. But when you were first starting out, did you compare yourself to other women or do you do that at all today? Um, I definitely think I have. I just never saw myself in a certain category, um, which there's these, you know, like, I guess that you could break it down to like the old school, you know, high school like yeah, you had the cheerleaders, yeah. the popular people, yeah. the weirdos or whatever. <laughs> yes. I don't really necessarily see, I saw myself, like I was in, I was in marching band. Like I was in that kind of group of people. Like, like in high school. In high school. Yeah. Like, I literally went to band camp. Like right. I was, so like, <laughs> and you know, I don't think I was in, I just never saw myself as that, um, Interesting. whatever that is. But and also, you got to remember back, you said a lot of women were, there wasn't a lot of girls in bands. Like, True. there certainly in the group, the kind of music we were doing, there was very little. And so I think it was just very unusual. And I think the way that I was kind of, my DNA was, I was very passive. So I didn't really think, I didn't really think a lot about that stuff. Yeah. I, I just was very much in my own world, like a fantasy world, like, <gasps> Um, you know, sitting in high school, like, you know, drawing on my notebook going, how would I sign my name if, if I married Tony? Like, yes, you know what I mean? Or yes. like, what would I, <laughs> we, these are the kind of thoughts I would have or, yes, you know, very normal. oh my gosh. Yeah. I have a show coming up. I'm going to go to the thrift store and I'm going to make my, I've got my sewing machine and I'm going to make an out. Like it was all about what am I going to wear? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, how am I going to do my hair? Like, right. you know, and I would obsess over these things. Um, I would stare at the girl sitting next to me in class with flawless makeup on. Like yes. she would always like be putting her makeup on during class. Like I was really obsessive about the things that I was obsessed about and um, <laughs> to a flaw. Totally. So, yeah, but I, I assume I, that like people would try to pin you against other female celebrities or artists, you know, like, did that ever penetrate? Well, I don't, I think for sure, I didn't really see it so much. There was, there was an other artists that kind of sometimes tried to start stuff, but mm-hmm. I don't think I was in the same lane as anybody as it's far so as like categories. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I'm not confrontational. I'm not very competitive. Like right. I just 
you know, I am at certain things. I'm, I'm competitive with myself about wanting to like do something great and be creative and be, but like, as far as like winning, like, I don't know. I, I just, I never played sports. I'm not into sports. Like, is this not who I am? But I yeah. think that like at the time there was like, just, you know, there was people like Jewel, mm-hmm. like, you know, and yes, was I jealous of how pretty she was? Mm-hmm. Yes, I was, mm-hmm. you know, or there was like, uh, Alanis Morissette, mm-hmm. you know, was I jealous that she could be write such amazing lyrics? Of mm-hmm. course I was, you know, inspired. Yeah. Jealous, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then there was like somebody, there was like L7. Like, it's like, why? Well, that's not what I did. That's not what I am. So I don't right. really feel like I fit into any of the, the different kinds of girls, you know, then there was, you know, Shirley Manson from garbage, but mm-hmm. she was like definitely a lot more hardcore and just confident, you know, like, that was different from who I was. So I don't know. I think I, I was just somewhere in my own world. I don't know how to describe it. I didn't, so I didn't think, I didn't even think to compare myself because I couldn't compete with any of that. It's not, it, I wasn't the same. It was like comparing apples and oranges as they say, like, (laughs) how do you compare it? You know? Yeah. So what would be your advice to someone like that's you know, 27, for example, <laughs> that finds themselves comparing themselves physically, professionally, personally to all these people. Like we're just online constantly and it's hard yeah, not to. It's very, very, very hard. I don't know, especially I think for females, it's impossible because the influences that we have in the art, it's like all about sharing and like mm-hmm. trying to get people to like you. And yes. it's just, it's so... I don't know what to do. Like, I, I don't know what to say. I just think that, um, the one thing that always saved me was again, to just embrace who you are as an individual, you know, because once nobody can be that, but you, you know, and it's like, it's kind of an obvious thing and, but it's not, it's not easy to do. Right. But I don't know. I think we all have something that we're good at. And Mm -hmm. I think you just need to like, really open your eyes to what that is and then you know yeah but again like i'm if you really are gonna ask me like yes <laughs> i mean i i live by that like i yeah. live by my faith and yeah. you know it's something that i i don't want to like shove it down anyone's throat no. but you just ask you are asking yes. me and that's truly where i turn you know i turn yeah. to so that's what that's how i've navigated my life that's that's incredible so you know, something that no woman is exempt from is like body image and just having issues with that. And you have been on every single magazine cover known to man. Like, have you ever struggled with body image? And when was it worst? I did, of course, my whole life. You know, when I was little, I was a little bit chubby. Like I had to always really work really hard at getting a body that I wanted. Like Mm -hmm. what's interesting is my dad, who has been pretty much obese, obese. And I'm not making that up. Like you've yeah. seen my dad, like, I love your parents so he much. He just comes from a family that was, you know, they Italian, like they were bigger or whatever. But my dad just this year, like lost a hundred pounds. Wow. Just like diet and exercise. Like just did for it. the wedding. It's cr- yeah. <laughs> well, he didn't even know he did it actually the last couple of years. So wow. we're just so proud of him to yeah, see him, amazing. you know, I think that once I finally got to being a senior, I was like, I'm done. Like, I'm not going to be, I want to be what I want to be. And what I want to be is I want to wear the clothes that I want to wear. And so that means I need to do this, this, this. So I think my dad is quite a disciplined 
person. And mm-hmm. I think I am a really quite disciplined person. Mm-hmm. I never used to think I was. I think I was just really hard on myself about it. But yeah. once I made my mind up, say, if I want, I know I have to do this and this to get this. So I'm going to okay. do it. And that's mm-hmm. when I would just, you know, and I'm just like everyone else, like I'll fail like this weekend. I failed. I was right. like, I had, I was like, okay, that's it. The wedding is over. Get your, yeah. tra- like you yes. just, you just blew your diet so bad. Like, what are you doing? And then yes. of course I made like a hundred excuses of why I'm on my honeymoon and I need to order everything I want from Postmates. Yes. But, <laughs> I fully so, agree with that. But I think it's just, it's one of those things. We all want to try to be a perfect, whatever that is. And there is no such thing. And so we just do our best. I think I, for me, it's all, all about just trying to be the best version of who I can be. Like there's no perfect with it. And definitely different times through my career that I, I definitely look back and I go, oh. Was postpartum hard for you? body-wise? Being pregnant was hard. I wanted always my whole life to be pregnant. I just thought that would be so awesome. But when I was, I couldn't give myself a break, like to the point where it was like, I wish I could go back and go, why are you so mean to yourself? Like you were pregnant, like enjoy it. So anyone that's pregnant, just enjoy it. (laughs) But also like, I think that afterward, again, if I didn't have like so many incentives to mm-hmm. want to like get myself back into shape um or not even incentives like pressure because <laughs> yeah like jimmy's putting me in the studio oh, and jesus yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the band being like okay i know a good way that we can get inspired let's go on tour after you had your second baby oh, four jesus. months after yeah. you know oh, it's like God. really really a lot like i'm lucky though because you know i look at the i look at myself during that tour and i'm like Dang, yes. my baby was eight months old and I had an eight pack. Like, what? How did I do it's, it? I, it's inhuman. It's but, unbelievable. Well, it's because I was on tour. Like, yeah. I mean, when you are nursing a baby and you have a toddler and you're doing a show, you know, you do 60, 60 of those, you're pretty, you get in shape. It's not, you don't have a choice. Like, it just happens. God. So. I think you have maintained that eight pack for the long, I think in no, human it's history, not. it's unbelievable. It's not. It it's is seriously unbelievable. not. It is not. But did you watch the pink documentary with yes. her? On two- yeah. I just watched that too. Hey, pink. Yes. Yes. She's um, the best. And it, I was like, wow. I mean, she takes it to another level. Like totally. with all of like that, whatever she's the doing. Or, yeah. No, what is it called? Or whatever with the, yeah. That whole thing that she does. <laughs> yes. I mean, I was like, and it, I could so relate to like, the whole having trying to do both and it's impossible you can't you can't be a mom and do that it's impossible but luckily she i was like so into the movie i was like she has such a great husband and he's like supporting her like (laughs) and so do you now you do too i do i do he's the best i'm like i i want to like really get to know him i feel like i only know him relatively now but he just seems like the best guy you know the, the thing about him and i think again i said this earlier why people are so the successful people are the people that are the genuine mm-hmm. people because that man he is the same guy that you see mm. no matter who he's with yeah. what he's doing you know if he's i look at him sleeping and he's the same guy you know what i'm saying <laughs> he's just a good guy consistent and he's very real and consistent and genuine and so it's like um that I think is what is so attractive and why totally. people love him so much. Because he's just 50%. has country music made you like feel? Has it changed your songwriting at all? Is it more honest? Do you think, or is it 
you know, when I started writing this year, I first wanted to do like a singer songwriter kind of album. I felt like that was like where I needed to be. And I always wanted to do something like that. Um, I really wanted to work and do that record with Busby who passed like a few, you know, how long ago was that? I can't even keep track of time. So then, cause I had done my whole Christmas album with him and the writing process with him. He's such a genius. Like, I just was like, this is my partner for the rest of my life. Yes. You know, like I just, just thought that. Um, but then I don't know, like, I think the country music, it's not so far off from like the music I grew up on in the sense of being a child, like mm-hmm. in, I grew up in the seventies. So I listened to a lot what we call yacht rock nowadays, yeah. which is, mm-hmm. was the popular music of the time. And my parents listened to bluegrass and folk. Mm. So I had like a combination of sort of seventies rock and yeah. bluegrass and folk. And a lot of that songwriting is quite similar to, I don't know, similar totally. to kind of country in a way. I, I, I don't know if that makes any sense. But I know it totally makes sense. But, I think what I learned about country that I didn't know, because I mean, if, if you're into bluegrass and you're into country, like those two people would be like, we are not the same. Like, it is, you know what I mean? Like they're, they'd be like, no, yes. but um, like to someone on the outside, you could see that it feels similar. But I think the thing about like country that I learned over the last six, seven years, six years is just some of the songwriting is just so unbelievably good. Mm-hmm. Like you don't, I, I, the more I learn about songwriting, the more I understand what's good and what's not, you yeah. know what I mean? Or, yes. And it's just like the, how genius some of the songs are in the way that they tell the stories and how they actually end up with, like, I love when they'll like end up with this line at the end of, of the chorus that sums up everything and like, how did they do that? And it's so creative. It's but um, yeah, I mean, just to be able to be like witness somebody else that's at the top of their game that's um a legend in their own time blake um in in a different category of music it's just really interesting because it's so different yet it's exactly the same career in so many ways like yeah like i know like you know people say like you're so different and blah 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 but like when i see you guys together and performing it just seems like you're coming back to where you started you know like it just it feels the same to me you know like i feel like you guys are alike it is very true and like i think like being able to be part like when he i was at my parents house and you know i'm in such awe of him as an artist as a singer mm-hmm. and so like i'm sitting at my parents we were having breakfast and went to church or something and he texts me and he was like we obviously have to do this song together and i was like um whoa like I freaked out like yeah. that he would because I like my fantasy in my brain would be that I could do a song with him, you know. Yes. And was this um, while you were dating though? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It yeah. was um Happy Anywhere. So that song was like he sent it to me and I'd listened to it and I was like, oh my gosh, so I started bawling. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, I don't hear you ask me song. And, <laughs> it's like better when had, he asked you to marry you. It's it like, was pretty amazing. Yeah. And like we'd already written two songs together because we had written a song called break my heart which was we wrote that like one of the first couple weeks we were together but we never were in the same room like he sent me a song and then i finished the lyric and then whatever and then the next song we wrote together was our christmas song which again he sent me part of a song and then i finished the song so 
for it to be on a song like Happy Anywhere, which is such a fun and totally different from anything I've ever done. I mean, that I is a country so song. That yes, is like a country song. It's such like, a simple, amazing song. And so we recorded it. And then his record's about to be done. And we're in the gym and we're working out. And he says, he starts playing this other song called Nobody But You. He was listening to it because like he'll get songs and like just play them for me. And he always gets these incredible songs sent to him. Like the whole world is writing him these amazing songs. And I was like listening to it and going, oh man, I wish he would have put me on that song. Like in my heart, you know? Yeah. And he he just like turned off the song and goes, shit, I wish I would have put you on this song. And he's like, (laughs) I'm putting you on this one too. Yes. (laughs) So then we did. So then that song ended up coming out first. And then Happy Anywhere came out during quarantine, which was, it was kind of perfect. But to be part of, and, and the, the community, you know, was so unbelievably like generous to me and kind and welcoming. Mm. And it did feel very natural and, um, to be able to get up on stage and perform with him and which we get to do something coming up and, um, cause his tour is happening. So I get to get up on stage with him a couple of times, but yeah, that was an, an incredible, unexpected thing to be part of. And we had two number one country hits on Hell radio, yeah. which is like, it's weird. <laughs> it sounds like your voice, like. I don't know the resonance in some way. It just I don't know totally what it is fits. either. I just felt like meant to you be. know for me like to be able to bounce in so many different categories and genres mm. through my entire career has just been probably and and not just in music but to be able to travel the world yeah. and be part of different cultures all that stuff that's like the blessing of life really 100%. like just to have that variety and like um and to be able to like understand culture like i mean the country music culture it's like it's such an amazing thing that i just had no idea about you know so true okay i'm gonna ask you like three more questions and then i will let you go um (laughs) what are you hardest on yourself about and has that changed since your 20s um i think i genuinely i'm probably hardest on myself about just wanting to um, produce Mm -hmm. whatever that is. If that means like produce being a good mom one day and like actually playing with my kids and like putting the time in that they need, like without being distracted on my phone or like into myself or wanting to be, you know, indulge in like whatever it is. Yes. Like that, that is something that I, like, I, I have a hard time not doing that. Are you a perfectionist? I don't know if I'm, I don't think I'm necessarily a perfectionist. I'm a obsessionist. (laughs) (laughs) I definitely have obsessive like nature. So like, for example, like it could be, this would be a good example and embarrassing, but I'll share it because (laughs) I don't give a shit. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Like yesterday I had a, we had nothing. We were doing nothing and we were watching movies and we were like, I was like, I'm going to shop online, like whatever, yes. you know, as so I started shopping for ramen noodle bowls. Okay. Okay. Which I was very, very obsessed about. Like, I love vintage China. Yes. I love like, I love dishware. Like I love, I like, I love that stuff. I okay. always have my whole life. Like I love antiques. I love yes. anything old. Like I'm just, I think most people know that about me, but I, I do. So like, um, I think I looked for like three hours. Mm. I still didn't buy anything. Like 
And I'm still, as we're talking, thinking about going back online and looking for more. So I, it, that's just an example of how far it goes. But my researching and my obsession and that skill that I have, which is something that can be a problem, is probably one of my biggest gifts because that's how I do everything. If, I, if I'm interested in it, mm-hmm. if it matters to me, then you I can put it or or more like yeah. a, an embarrassing amount so i guess i always say that to my like kids cuz i'm like you just got to find whatever it is you're obsessed about even if it's ramen noodles it. yes. yes i'm going to have the best ramen no- noodles oh, I can't when wait. i get them yes, if i find I gotta, them i, I, <laughs> I think i have to them. go back to japan to get them i know that's, I was about that's to the say problem that. it's true it's true <laughs> okay so these are just little rapid fire questions but what's a topic or concept you wish more women were open about or would stop lying to each other about oh my gosh I mean, right now, I just want to, I, I, can't, I can't do rapid fire, by the way. <laughs> it's impossible. Um, I would say I would want to know more about just being a mom, like raising kids. Like, what's the right thing to do? You totally. know, it's yes. hard. Oh, my God. It's like the wild, wild west. It's so I, I don't I don't know, but it sounds hard. OK, what's a way that you're working on yourself these days? Are you in therapy or is it something that you're reading, working out? I just got a trainer for the okay. first time in probably six years. So no way. <laughs> it's that feels really amazing. See how long my rapid fire question yeah. answers are. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've been working on my fitness. Mm-hmm. I have Vegas coming up in October. I'm so excited. So I'm just, I'm like, I have quarantine. Like I got to get really like, cause I won't be able to sing and I can't do physically do it's it. It's true. It's like an endurance game. Yeah. It's so hard. I'm, that's what I'm working on right now. Okay. And what is, okay, two last things. What's something that people that follow you on Instagram would be surprised to know? Or like, what's the most off-brand thing about you? I like shopping for noodle bowls. <laughs> <Yes>. um, <laughs> I don't know. I I think that people would su- be surprised to know that I'm just like them yes. in so many ways. <laughs> and I'm nothing more than that at all. At all. Yes. I beg to differ, <laughs> but yeah. Um, what is like the most embarrassing or weirdest thing that you do when Blake's not home, when you're home alone? Oh, probably that obsessive shopping yeah. and not buying, not buying anything thing. I do that too. Yes. <laughs> okay. So what do you have coming up? Everyone knows where to find you on Instagram and everything, but when does the Vegas residency start? I think I think of the first show in October and it's really going to be probably my last, I don't know if I'm even what I'm supposed to say about that, okay. but I'm planning to do eight shows. I think it is. Is it eight? And that sounds like a very small amount compared to the 60 that yeah, so I think that's going to be done with the Vegas thing, which was incredible. And then I have the record and um, just trying to decide if I want to write some more songs or not. Mm-hmm. Your dad, by the way, has oh, always God. made me so <laughs> paranoid that I don't have enough. I haven't done enough hard work. Yes. Oh, my God. But yeah, I've been kind of like working a lot with somebody that I just started working with that I got really happy about. So I might go back and do a little bit of more of that. And I have some other stuff up my sleeve that I'm not sharing yet. Okay, perfect. (laughs) Well, we can't wait. Thank you so much. I love you. you. I'm so happy that you turned out to be such a good girl (laughs) and you're doing your thing. And like, I just, I, like I said, your family's always been such an inspiration to me. And oh, we love to you see so much. you at 27, like doing your thing. You're so beautiful. Thank you. You're the best. I love you so much. Like, Thanks seriously, for having me. I really appreciate you doing Aww. this. Seriously. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And I love you too. 
Thank you. Take care. Mwah. Bye, guys. Bye. Okay, that definitely goes down as one of the top 10 moments of my life thus far. I hope you guys had fun hanging out with us. That interview was just so fun to do, and she's just the greatest of all time, which we all know already. That's it for me. Thank you so much for listening. But before we go, I have a few favors to ask of you. If you liked this interview, we have new episodes every Tuesday with amazing women. So come back and listen to those. If you want to keep up with me and the show, you can follow me at Jade Iovine on Instagram. We have a phone number for the show where you can text me and leave me a voicemail. That number is in the link in my bio on Instagram and will also be in the show notes. And please rate follow and comment on the podcast that really helps us grow and i just love to know what you're thinking of the show so far so hopefully i'll see you guys next time and thanks so much for listening bye